listening to another Woodshop podcast. Sorry. Episode 162 of another Woodshop Podcast, where this week we are joined by one of the kings of ASMR woodworking, showing us how to use hand tools in the most artistic and satisfying ways. And when he's not stropping all of his blades, he's testing out tools and techniques so that we don't have to. And he's teaching us how to capture video, or how to capture the eye of our audience in less than 10 seconds. Proving once again (laughs) that 10 seconds is plenty of time, Kayla. Sumar Sarkar is here. What is so I, what's I was up? so hey, how's it going? I guess I'm gonna uh, do a quick little spiel about myself in under ten seconds. But you already did it for me, so I always appreciate <laughs> when I have helper, uh, you know, in my private time. So. Dude, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know who I wish could join us every single week, uh, but can't. But they're here in spirit. It is our patrons. Dan, would you like to shout out our patrons? I would love to shout out our patrons. But before I do that, let me talk about how we don't have any new patrons. Oh, yeah. What's up with with that? We don't have any new patrons. There, there. That's it. I said it all. (laughs) Um, But as as I said, we do have patrons that have been around for a while. And I'd like to give a shout out to our VIP patrons. And today, we're going to do it in alphabetical order. Whoa. Alexander Copajohns, Bill Burkle, Daniel Bryson, Jacob Miller, Justin from Calvary Customs, Christian Tung, Malcolm over at Bossa Nova Woodworks, Matthew Hoff, Matt Maynard at Patriotic Pines, Max and Mindy Coons from Stubby K Studio, Michael Flickinger, Mike Lydon, Nick Brim Woodworking, Scotty Holland from Elevated Wood Design, Square Splinter, Steve Iadarola, and Victor Aragama. Very solid crew. That's a solid list. Solid list. It's a very Top solid tier. list. Thank you, everybody who helps us, including the VIP patrons and everybody else. You guys are amazing. And uh, Dan, I believe we have a Patreon call coming up. We're gonna be we're gonna be yes. scheduling it in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so I think Sunday won out in the poll. So we're gonna be it's doing. It's gonna Sunday. be a Sunday. Um, most likely Sunday it's morning. Be around it's gonna be AWP no, Church. Not morning. No. Nobody is is brunch oh. included. No. No. It's a BYOB. Bring your own brunch. <laughs> we have to definitely uh, do it around a time where people can like open up a beer. Probably in the like, evening. Yeah. Yes. So most likely uh, 6, 7-ish o'clock Eastern. Um, so it's like on a later side on our end, but not like so late because it's a school night, guys. Come on. You, you know, you should be drinking that late. Um, <laughs> but yeah, some sometime around that time. And we're super stoked to do it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're just going to BS and have yes. a great, great time. Um, this is going to be the start of a new... Something thing. It yeah. It'll be something. (laughs) It's definitely most definitely going to be something. Um, And this week's episode is sponsored by Sumon. So Sumon, please tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you're here. Even Uh, who do you think you are? Give us the elevator pitch. Go. Well, I didn't realize I I had to open my wallets to be on this show. Uh, So as a sponsor, by the way, (laughs) Bill is in the mail. It's like the Met. You you like it's an encouraged donation, but you don't have to pay. Okay, 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 okay. I'll send you my Cash App info. (laughs) Do people still use that? Yeah, they do. 
They do. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, hey, guys, uh, thanks so much for having me. My name is Suman. I am a uh, hobbyist woodworker, a content creator. Uh, for the most part, I've been focused on making short format content on Instagram. Um, and now I'm kind of shifting gears and focusing more towards long format content on YouTube. So uh, that's pretty much me. So you can find me at Woodcraft by Suman and all of those platforms. And uh, let me know what you think about the content. <laughs> wow, that was short that and was, precise. I love it. Um, also, like well, it. let me ask you this. What what got you into this? Like you're... Your background's not anything to do with woodworking. So how'd you end up with a three-car garage, full shop, decked out, and a passion for hand tools? Three-car garage, huh? Yeah. Weird flight. 20 by 30, (laughs) one could say. (laughs) So I'm I'm glad I didn't realize you you had uh, knowledge of my three-car garage. I do uh, my research, but including the wood you store in your basement. I am very worried about this conversation and where it's going. Um, but so I, you know, I, I think a lot of folks, when they buy a home, they, they want to renovate and do things and they eventually turn into becoming a full-fledged woodworker because they have tool addictions that they consider and call themselves a woodworker for. But for me, it was way before that. Um, I, you know, I was at like a farmer's market where this gentleman was selling a whole bunch of cutting boards and, uh, my wife, my girlfriend at the time and I were just like looking at him and I'm like, I can make that. It's like the worst thing you could ever say or do because you know it's going to cost you way more than the product. And so, you know, <laughs> five, six hundred bucks later with a portable table saw and a router and I don't know what else I got at the time, I made my first cutting board and I realized that I enjoyed doing it quite a bit. So I've been making a whole bunch of things since then. So that first cutting board cost you probably a thousand dollars. Yeah, man. Is that what you're instead saying? Of, instead of paying like a hundred bucks, I paid a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's like Spagnuolo's pretty, video. Pretty smart. Of like this spoon costs forty eight thousand dollars. Yeah, because <laughs> every tool he had to use in a shop, and he just added up the cost. <laughs> uh, that's great. If only you went through one tool every time you made one project. And I get a new yeah. table saw every time I make a cutting board. <laughs> just, just they're what single use table saws. <laughs> Yeah, because once you, you know, yeah. on the final cut, I just like I set out the cartridge and you got to toss the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, isn't that what you're supposed to do with soft stops? <laughs> just a new one every week. The Etsy shop That's... must be doing well. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, and how, okay, so how'd you fall into, so when, when did that start and how did you fall into content? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I started woodworking maybe like eight, nine years ago. And, you know, it's one of those things you just kind of have to make a lot of stuff to get good at anything, right? Now, uh, to be fair, I'm not saying that I'm a good woodworker. I'm just saying I've had a little bit of practice. Um, and so I built a whole bunch of things. Uh, furnitures, you've in it, I built a bunch for myself, and then I ran out of furnitures to build for myself, so I built it for other people. Um, I, I There was a point where I did make a few pieces of furniture to sell, um, but that's not really where my focus is. And so I eventually shifted all of that towards making content. And now I don't make anything. I just make content. <laughs> it seems like, at least it feels like that. And it's 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 a good thing uh, because, you know, uh, I think making content is like its own specialty. And you happen to be yeah. a woodworker that makes content. And there's this argument that should be made that most of the woodworkers that you're used to watching on Instagram, YouTube, or whatever... By and large, they're probably more content creators than they are woodworkers, with a few exceptions. And certainly, <laughs> you're right. It's just, it's a completely separate skill that takes that, up so much more time. Uh, that Mark Spagnolo, he's no good at <laughs> that woodworking. Guy, that guy. Let me tell you. Do you know what's interesting? I remember like five years ago or so, somebody on a 
uh, Facebook woodworking page said, you know, Mark Spagnolo seems to really be making woodworking videos. I don't really see him making projects anymore, which is not true. The the guy makes a lot of projects, but there was a comment response to that by a gentleman. And he said, producing content is his job. And that is the skill. Why would you want him to also be a woodworker? And that really struck with me because it's a weird way to put it. Yeah, because at the time, I had no ambition for producing content. And it was just a, a mind shift on how we look at people. And the fact that some stranger recognized the fact that producing content is its own skill, and that is a job. It really is. Yeah, and that is a job. And so being a woodworker happens to be secondary to that. And so I often ask myself, you know, am I a woodworker? Am I a content creator? At this point, I'm not much of a woodworker. I'm definitely more on the content creation side. Uh, but I think everybody who has aspirations for making content has to corral those two because it's very rare to be able to do both and do it really well. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I don't think I'm good at either one. <laughs> well, you know what? Why am I here? Practice makes perfect, Dan. Let's, we're just <laughs> we're just trying to get good at it. So, well, let me ask you this then, because uh, and we we didn't really say this officially but this episode we kind of wanted to talk about content creation like for Mm -hmm. beginners intermediate you know professional content creators whatever and like the thing is a lot of us have been doing this for and a lot of our guests have been doing it for so long that we all kind of forgot how to start like we had to start now without the knowledge we have we'd be kind of lost like well we'll just like point my phone at stuff but like there is a, a, a very there's very much a skill to it and like Suman, you taught a class at WorkbenchCon, which uh, you'll tell us later how relevant that is now still. But, you know, all those, like, it, it is a skill. It's something you, you know, you put in, like, you might not be a musician, but you could be a producer and you could be, yeah. do beautiful work of you know, being able to put together things and present it in a way that is pleasing to people and easy to, um, you know, essentially absorb. So, you know, with if, if let me ask you this, then if you're, you're telling someone right now who's like, kind of starting out they mm-hmm. they might not necessarily you know they might be doing woodworking for fun or because they they decided they want to make some extra money on the side and they see this like community and they want to start making content like what's your recommendation what's your like what would you tell them to get them started what would you tell a young yeah. suman the first thing i would say is stop watching other content creators for enjoyment watch them to study oh good um uh, because most of us, at least I know for me, when I was into woodworking, you know, the folks like Mark Spagnolo and, you know, Rob Cosman, these folks had a large impression on me because they taught me a lot of things about woodworking. I never went to formal schooling or anything for woodworking, right? And so I watched them for enjoyment and for learning. Never did I watch them with a content creation, like, mindset, right? So I never paid attention to the fact that, like, oh, He's presenting it this way, talking about it this way, structuring it this way, or his lighting or camera work is being, you know, is changing over time. I see that he's he's trying to improve that method or whatever it is. Never thought about it that way. Only thought about it for, oh, what am I learning in this particular piece of content? So as a person who is interested in producing content, you need to study what's out there and how other folks are producing content. Watch what is working today, what has worked in the past, why those things don't work today. And once you start to see yourself as a person that is critiquing other content creators of today, then you will already have a 
huge leg up when you begin to produce your own content. I'm not saying that that's gonna, those knowledge is going to translate directly into you're one hell of a content creator from day one because you still have to put the reps in. You still have to go through the motions. You still have to produce the content. You still have to like make some mistakes, learn from it, and all of that. But as soon as you start to shift your mindset and watching these folks for enjoyment or learning to as your peers that you can learn from, that's when you start to really sponge it all in. Yeah. Can I add something to that? Yeah. Please. I I would go as far as to say don't don't just stop watching videos for the enjoyment, but add to your enjoyment by studying. Not don't just stop yeah. watching videos for enjoyment only. I would you you understand what I'm saying? I get it. I get it. Yeah. I don't yeah. though. At this point it's like I got glasses out, I'm writing notes. I'm not doing anything. You got like tunnel vision you, you're a one one detail kind of guy yeah i mean i think uh folks like john uh cesaro from lincoln street woodworks mm-hmm. uh scott walsh from scott i've heard walsh. of him yeah those two gentlemen we started out at the same time on youtube uh obviously their growth has been far more tremendous than mine um and For we now. have been we have been friends i appreciate that we have been friends. i feel like they're buying followers don't they <laughs> Don't compare yourself so to them. They, um, you know, when we started, we, we just sort of like corralled together. I think John was at like 300 subscribers uh, at the time. Scott was like 200, 100 or something. Like we were like very much sub 1,000 <clears> subscribers. And uh, I spoke to John. We're like, hey, you know, how are you strategizing your content, etc." And I realized that he added an element to the conversation that I was not thinking of. Uh, he added to the marketing and retention side of things. And Scott was more of the audio mixing, keeping things lighthearted and interesting. And the three of us realized like we're really make a good team in terms of being able to learn from each other and grow three times faster because we can learn from each other's mistakes, you know? Um, so we, unfortunately, I would say don't really watch content for enjoyment nearly as much anymore, at least not woodworking content. Um, there's other creators, you know, in woodworking or in YouTube space that we definitely watch for enjoyment, but uh, woodworking, no, it's, it's all critiquing and trying to get a better understanding. I remember when we had John on, he was talking about how the three of you would critique each other's videos and you would like hold nothing back. You would just rip each other it's apart. It's painful. Like, uh, yeah, I think good. You, you guys that's, have that's the, a good way to do it. You have yeah. someone that is going to be honest with you because that's that's hard. You know, it's hard to be honest. Well, with it's someone. super hard. I would never do that. I'm glad you guys have like that support system there. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong. Sometimes that can be a challenge too because um, at the beginning, none of us really had a true sense. Well, John, I think had a pretty good sense of how he wanted his content to be. Uh, because he he's a marketing guy, so I think he understands marketing, uh, you know, and hi, how he wanted to position himself in the YouTube woodworking space. Um, Scott, not so much at the time, and I had no idea what the heck I was doing, and I would argue I still don't to some extent. And um, so as kind of time went along, though, each one of us started to kind of develop our own feel, presentation style, topic of conversation. And so we kind of back off a little bit more on all of those elements now because that's what makes us uniquely us but we can still say hey the pause at 10 minutes and 16 seconds is two seconds too long because that's going to affect retention um that's still fair game but in terms of like the style of presentation or what topic we cover and all of that 
that's usually not a point of critique anymore mm-hmm. because we want to make sure that all three of us can grow in our own way uh, mm-hmm. and kind of create a space in wood- woodworking and YouTube. Yeah, right on. That's awesome. It, I like it. And that that's, you know, that brings it back to the whole community thing. A lot of people, if you're getting into the content creation, immediately just like, I'm going to make money and I'm going to get free stuff. You're doing it for the wrong reason. Uh, that's one of those things. I, I, I personally think that uh, with content creation, it's a, uh, if you build it, they will come. If you build your community around you, if you, because that's what being content creator is. You build a community around you, people that follow you, that actually enjoy you, right. that want to see more of you. Uh, whether that's other con- content creators or just people consuming the content, if you build it, the relationships, the brand deals, the money will eventually come. And yeah, you'll have to put in some legwork on your on your side, but there's definitely you're gonna have to put in a lot of legwork. Yeah, lot of this legwork. doesn't happen overnight. But there's also things that will just happen if you just do it. You know, good things happen to those that put in the work. So, and and you know, I. I like that you're kind of referring to content creation as like a completely separate entity because many of us are like, why well, woodwork? And then I record everything and that's like the content creation. But like, no, like if you really get into it, like you're yeah. creating content, you're not just like stumbling on content based on what you shot on your phone that day. You're, right. you're actually putting in the work just like you'd go in there and sharpen your chisels on a strop and, uh, you know, get, get the project started get it all set up for the next day. You're going to like curate your content. Be like, okay, I need to shoot this right. for that. I want to get this shot. I saw this video that Suman did. I really like that style. Cause I'm glad you brought up the whole, like you watch videos now to learn about things. Mm-hmm. I find myself uh, being very annoying when I'm watching YouTube um, that's for other woodworkers or makers because yeah, I'm pausing yeah. and I'm going like, and did you see that? Did you see how he did yeah. that? Or like, oh, did you see this part? <laughs> you know, like we're pointing stuff out or I'm like, oh, that's crazy. That's brilliant. And then we're like, I'm scrolling back and forth just to show her. <laughs> you know, so it's definitely become more of like, now I'm watching for things. Yeah. Um, I'm not watching it for just for enjoyment. I'm watching it like, yeah, because I still like these guys, but it's more to like see what's working. Yeah, and in some capacity, you can, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not big enough to consider some of these bigger channels as peers of mine, right? But oh. I still feel like watching their content with this critical eye more like, hey, he's making content or she's making content. I'm making content. And I want to see like what are those things that they do for, that's playful for them? Mm-hmm. You know, because like producing content is an absolute grind, you guys. Like if you're listening, trust me, it is probably one of the harder things you'll do. I produce pharmaceutical research drugs and cancer for a living, and it's actually not that hard compared to piece of cake <laughs> content. Content creation's but, a lot, especially if you're, you're talking YouTube. Lot. Oh my yeah, god, it's a lot. It's my a first lot. video was like thirty hours plus of editing. Yeah, yeah, and you have no idea how it's going to be received, right? Uh, you put your yeah. best work. You do all that work, and you get ten views. And yeah. you're just heartbroken, like, yeah. oh, God, how am I going to keep doing this? Yeah, and then you've got to suck it up and pick yourself up and do it again. Um, and again. And, and again, again. And again. Exactly. And it's really not that different from a lot of other professions where, you know, there's always going to be these very apex top performers, like in athlete, in athleticism, for example. There's going to be people who make a career out of being an athlete, right? Mm-hmm. And they are exceptional compared to most other folks. And one of the main reasons for it is because they put in the reps. They do the hard work that other people will not. And in a similar way, you kind of have to see yourself the same 
in the same mindset in YouTube and even in our niche of woodworking, there's a lot of people producing content that get that are not getting visibility. And so if you're if you want to come up to the top, you have to put in the work, you have to be better. If you're not, you know, striving to be better each and every step of the way, like why should people watch you and why it, are you going to strive to the top? It's just not going to happen it, probably. It's another thing you're doing. It's another hobby. It's hard yeah. to it's hard to be successful in it, I think, if you're treating it as an add-on to the thing you're doing. It's like, right. yeah, I do woodworking where I also do turning and I also do content. That's almost how, how best way I can put yeah. it, like how people do. Like I do maker content and like I also do like laser cutting and 3D printing and like content to me for the longest time has just been another part of the thing I'm doing. It's mm -hmm. I up until very recently have never been treating it like a job can i tell you it is i built a dining table i think over winter um it was for an artist friend of mine and did it also take you six months yes because i filmed it <laughs> um, Dan just so, said you filmed it that's why yeah <laughs> oh i see so it's um <laughs> i think it's a really good piece of furniture because it's a little bit more interesting uh, than, you know, your typical uh, furniture builds that you see on YouTube these days. And I filmed it with the intention of eventually producing a, you know, a finished video out of it. And my channel now is more focused towards testing woodworking things. And we can talk more about that. Um, but it has no place. A, a dining table build has no place in the space that I'm trying to carve out for myself in YouTube and woodworking. And so while it's been filmed, it's available, I can edit it. And I think it's a pretty good looking piece of furniture. It's probably never going to see daylight in a, in an actual published video. And the reason for it is because it doesn't align with the brand that I'm trying to project. I have an idea. Yeah. If, if you edit it, can you send it to me and I'll AI my face on your body and I'll just put it on well, my like, channel? Really poorly. So it's like, <laughs> like it's, yes, it's photos really, of your face. Really, really poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you upwards of five dollars in a bow tie. Perfect. Package. Perfect. It's got a All couple right, cool. of bow ties in it, actually. <laughs> I remember that table. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But um, so and and because I think Peter, you mentioned this uh, this idea of oh, I do woodworking and I do wood turning and I do a little bit of this. Here's the thing: I make furnitures in my shop. I make jigs in my shop. I make a whole lot of things out of wood in my shop that I will not produce a piece of content for because it doesn't align with what. Mm it is that I'm trying to carve a niche for. Believe it or not, people love predict predictability way more than you would think. And they want to be that able they to do. Say, yeah. They want to be able to say like, oh, that Suman guy, he's the one that tests woodworking stuff. If you're calling me that, I consider that a success because I've done my job because you can summarize what my channel is about in one sentence. That's really, really important. Ceviche. It, ceviche. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so for those of you who may not have been in the pre-podcast, uh, we were talking about raw chicken ceviche. Yeah. Delicacy <laughs> in parts of Omaha. Delicacy in fine woodworking and parts of Omaha. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to keep your interest an interest. And you have to delineate your content because your content is your published piece. If you mm -hmm. were to publish a book about, I don't know, uh, the ocean. Are you going to talk about, you know, 
chickens in the ocean? Fuck no. You're not going to talk about that. You might have a chicken farm, but don't introduce chicken when you're writing a book about the ocean, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing, really. You really need to kind of uh, focus and deliver on that particular area. And uh, John from Lincoln Street has consistently blasted me over the last, I don't know, two plus years on this. And he's like, what is your elevator speech? What is the summary about who you are as a content producer in woodworking? If you can't summarize it in a sentence. Oh, no wonder he was so ready for the who are you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you can't summarize it in a sentence, you need to keep working at it. Well, uh, let's see. I'm going gonna, gonna to approach it from a different angle. Because, yes, like the, I think niching down and being really consistent on, on a topic or a style of video. Uh, like one of my favorite like pastime, if I need time to burn, uh, YouTube channels to watch, Project Farm. The guy just aggressively tests tools and things like yeah. that. Consistent. So consistent. And constantly the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and a monster account. Another account that I, uh, I kind of like relate to a lot is Bart Komar. Komar Project. Because uh, mm -hmm. uh, we're both Polish. That's because he speaks we're, Polish. We're both Polish daddies. But like Komar, Bart is, his channel is, I think he just uh, crested over a million subs. Uh, mm. Which is crazy. Some of his videos are bonkers massive and other ones are just you know fine still a lot of uh -huh. views but like he's consistently inconsistent he's working on whatever projects he wants to and you can mm -hmm. like you can still pop off on that like i actually relate to that a lot yeah. because i find myself and it took me way too long to like define what i was because i was trying to niche myself down to a woodworker mm -hmm. but i like too many things and i was like no i'm just a, i'm a maker I'm a maker. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that's why I related to like Adam Savage for so many years or Laura Comf, or because they so, you just make stuff, but it's hard to niche down and the content's kind of all over the place. At the risk of sounding like a prick, uh, how are you a different, uh, how do you distinguish yourself from other makers? I don't. So that could be a potential thing that you want to review and look at, yeah. right? Um, because it's okay to be a maker if you're the only maker in town. But if there's a lot of other makers out there, you know, then you need to either inject a bunch more personality into it. You need to. Are we talking about Pete being a maker or being a content creator? A, a maker as a content creator, yeah. right? So either you need to inject a lot of personality into it and have so the content. Yeah, I think that's how a lot of people delineate delineate themselves or yeah. separate themselves. Yeah, yeah. Like they're a personality, mm -hmm. but they could still do whatever, whatever, because people are going there for them. Not for, for the content right. that they're doing. And this is why the likes of Emma Chamberlain can do well. Mm -hmm. Because people are attracted to her as an individual and as a personality. And so she could be in Par Paris one day making a video about just about nothing. And the next day she could be talking about her uh, kitchen remodel. And people are still interested because it's not about the content anymore. It's about her as a person. So, again, it, it may not necessarily be... And I think... To your point, um, I'm being a little too linearly focused. There's still niching in how you package your content, and it's yeah. not necessarily the nature of the build or content itself. Uh, so, but you need to be intentional and mindful of that, right? You can't just say, "Well, I'm a maker; I make things, therefore I'm going to make something and put it out there." It might do okay. It might not. It's more important to channel things through that filter of yours, right? So for me, my channel is going to be more and more into testing woodworking things. Mm -hmm. You know, what's interesting is I can test um, a low, medium, high-priced item, like a combination square, right? 
I, instead of me doing a review video on combination squares and why they're useful in woodworking, or, you know, I'm going to say, here I have three different category priced tools. I'm going to test them to hell and see which one performs well and is the more expensive one really worth it? Do you need to stare it or is eye gauging adequate? Yeah. Um, so I'm funneling essentially a, a tool review through the filter of testing, and that's still okay. So um, just because you're niching down doesn't mean your content nature can't be a broader topic of other things. You just have to bring it and package it into your way of delivering. Your style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. If there's one thing I'd say is like a takeaway, like if you're starting out and especially for people um, that are not confident to uh, with being on camera or don't feel good about it or you know don't just they just don't want to be on camera or whatever um even if you hate your voice i don't because mm-hmm. i i'm a i'm firmly in the camp of i hate my voice uh i am told by some people that they actually enjoy my voice and i'm like you're insane go away mom uh so you know <laughs> there i don't care what camp you're in where you find yourself with content find accounts you enjoy content mm-hmm. you enjoy uh and if it's you know if you don't like to be on camera find other content that where people are talking or doing voiceovers uh i love voiceover content like the, on tiktok i go to tiktok to relax and enjoy content and not look at woodworking content so most of That's it is great. like small business and yeah. hacks and a lot of japan and japanese food and stuff like that and like people doing voiceovers and sometimes i'm like this this voice is a bit nails on chalkboard, but the delivery is consistent. It's good. And you're like enjoying the content because there's mm-hmm. cool things happening on a screen. Like you can do that. Another one is, a, a, I think it's a fuzzy loom design. Um, she does like Tumblr engraving. They basically have a small business that grew mm-hmm. to a huge business. And like, she just talks about the business and her day. And she does live packaging uh, on TikTok. And it's almost all voiceover for a while. I didn't even know what she looked like. She delivers it so well Mm-hmm. And like, I study that, but like my content, I wanted to do like tips or packaging or whatever, but like, it's not my content. You know, right, I do a right. lot of shipping and stuff, but I don't do content around it, but I really enjoy the way she delivers it. So find, like we were talking about earlier, studying, find content you enjoy and mimic it. You know, mm-hmm. mimicking, you know, it's like there's nothing original out there. Like One of the things that I, um, Scott, John and I talked a lot about, um, maybe like a year and a half ago is... Find also content that you don't like and ask yourself why you don't like it. And why it's successful. uh, Why it's (laughs) successful, sure, but why don't you like it? Because the reason is you know more about yourself through what you don't like than what you do like in some situations. Mm, And you if you that's find, a cool perspective yeah and if you find like oh that woodworker is doing that that's such a cliche or that's such a whatever thing to do ask yourself some other people don't think that way why do you think that way and who are you that has that opinion and what does that mean about you because you'll find your own voice through challenging those cliches and that might give you an impetus on what what could your potential content look like I love it. It's great. Dan, do you have anything to add before we jump into what's on a bench? Yeah, I, I actually do. Um, you know, it, it's it's all fine and dandy. We can talk about this all day long. But uh, the truth of the matter is, like, nobody really knows the oh, correct yeah. formula oh, of what actually works. Yeah. And not everything that we're talking about works for everybody. 
uh, heck, you could be listening to this podcast two, three years from now, and it's going to be all like, it, it, it means nothing because everything has changed so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, there could be a new social media platform that just takes over and, and it's completely different. So, you know, take all this with a grain of salt. Yeah. We, we're all just people who, who think we know what we're talking about. And truth of the matter is nobody really knows the, the correct formula. Hundred percent, and I think that, that's that's a great, great point, Dan. And, and you know, I often see uh, folks that come on to podcasts—not necessarily this one—but come in and talk about like this is the way to do it. This is how you should think about it. It's just an opinion and a perspective. Um, and so I hope all of you guys listening understand that this is just an opinion perspective that I have as an individual at this point in time. That's probably going to change and evolve over time as well. But hopefully it makes you think. And hopefully yeah. it gets you going to a point where you are going from a point of, oh, I should probably make YouTube videos to I'm going to make my first YouTube videos. Because that's really yeah. the whole point of this, right? Um, right? It's not to say this is how you should do everything. Because if we if you followed all of the advice that I have, your content, you might as well like, listen, show up and say, hey, guys, this is uh, Suman from Woodcraft by Suman and blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah, right? Uh, you need to give yourself some space to be that's uniquely you. So yeah, definitely take it with a grain of salt. We talked about, or you talked about how what people like is predictability. Mm-hmm. And I think you can say that, and, and we talked about personality. If your personality is the predictable part, that that's all you really need. Yeah. I mean, you could, as long as you're like, we talked about niching down and like Suman does testing and, and reviews or whatever. But as long as like you're in the realm of, let's say, woodworking or making. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine as long as your personality is the predictable factor. You're the product. I think you could do We've well. We've talked about this before. Yes. You're the product. Sell it. You are hey, the product. Hey, um, you know, I would say Bourbon Moth is a classic, fantastic oh, yeah. example of personality driving. He, he can do know, whatever. The He's the product. It's consistent. Yeah, he it's does always... builds. He does reviews. He does tips and tricks. Yeah, he could make, he could make a, a channel about homesteading and he could do really well in that because his personality will carry it. Yeah. I, I watch a few homesteading channels, mm-hmm. and what brings me back are the people's personalities. Yep. So, yep, exactly. Well, speaking of homesteading, what's on my bench? Let's let's <laughs> go into what's on our bench. Um, Dan, do you want to kick it off? What's yeah. going on this week in your bench? In it? Well, Inside. you'll be surprised to know that I've been keeping up with Etsy orders. Hey, wow! You wow, know what? Wow. I talked. So I think it was last week I talked about how. My Etsy shop has been under like uh, reserve or whatever. <laughs> Investigation by the bureau. Of that has actually, Etsy you know, sales. when I first when that first happened, I was like, "Oh gosh, this is going to be terrible." But you know what? It has been great for accountability. It is keeping me on my toes. I don't think I've ever gotten orders out faster than I have in the last couple of weeks. That's great. Like as soon as an order comes in, it's going out that day or the next day. Which I will admit that I get a little lax so like my products say they'll go out in three to five days but it's actually seven days because etsy gives you uh the weekend for free mm-hmm. so i would wait until the last day to send stuff out which isn't the greatest business practice um but with the orders being in reserve and not getting money until the orders are delivered mm-hmm. it's kept me more accountable so i've been keeping up which is nice that's amazing dude um 
it's not amazing that I'm in this situation, but it, I'm trying to see the silver lining here, Pro- right? Progress is always good. Yeah. For sure. And then, so also last week I talked about how I was going to go to my brother's wedding and I was going to photograph his wedding and that went okay. I won't get into the details there. But after the wedding, I had a medical emergency. I do not recommend that for anybody. I had no idea it was coming. Kidney stones are the real deal, you guys. <laughs> oh, my God. And, Suman, you, you work in the medical field, so you can testify that, like, this is one of the most painful experiences a person can have. It's, it is it's my understanding ridiculous. that it is one of the most painful experiences a human being can have. Zero out of ten. Do not recommend. It's um, male childbirth, I hear. Look, I've... I, I'm sure I might get some flack from our female listeners, but I've read online and I don't have anything to uh, compare it to, obviously, as I'm not a female. Um, But I've read online that it's worse than childbirth. And I'm willing to agree with that. Even with... (laughs) Oh, it was so bad. They, uh, so I was laying in the emergency room, just screaming my head off and just writhing in pain and... Uh, luckily, I had a friend there with me because uh, we were up in Minneapolis, like I said, and uh, my wife stayed home with the children, my two kids plus her two kids. Uh, so my friend drove me to the emergency room because at the time we had no idea what the hell was going on. I was just like in a lot of pain. As a matter of fact, I thought that I had an appendix burst. <laughs> I've, I still have my appendix too. So I was like, oh God, my appendix burst. Take me to the hospital. I'm going to die. So... Anyway, they pumped me full of, like, this uh, medication, this pain reliever medication. Uh, what, what's it called? Dilly Dally? Dil- <laughs> Suman, you know the name. Delighted. Delighted. That stuff was fantastic. It relaxed me so good that apparently I passed the kidney stone while I was laying in bed and I didn't even feel it. Uh, so that was my weekend last weekend. It was so good. Uh, then we got home. And none of this has to do with woodworking, but I'm going to ramble on anyway. Um, then we got home on on Monday. So, back up a little bit. My wife and daughter are going to the big Taylor Swift concert in Denver. She got My wife got tickets through Ticketmaster when they went on sale way back in November. And apparently that's like a really hard ticket to get, right? Yeah. From what I understand. I'm not going. I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan. Although, I do like watching her. Anyway, that's that's another story. She's easy on your um, eyes. She's a good-looking girl. <laughs> she's not bad. Um, I always wanted so, yeah, to date my her wife... just because I wanted a song written about me. Would have been fun. Is that is that why? Yeah, because I ever break up, it becomes a song. That's why she they has actually, like seventy yeah. songs in her set. Peter, they actually made a show about you. Um, it's called Family Guy. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Who the hell cares? Right, anyways, perfection. That was perfect. Uh, Do you like how that ready? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, my wife and daughter and a couple of my daughter's friends are going to the Taylor Swift show in Denver next month in July, I think. But anyways, we came home and on Monday I got a text from Ticketmaster, but it looked a little suspect. It looked sus. a little sus. And yeah, as the kids would say, it looked sus. Um. And it gave me a link and it gave me some like login information and I showed it to my wife without, before I deleted it. Normally I would just like delete those because you, I don't know about you guys, but I get like tons of scammy text messages these days. Mm-hmm. It it sucks having your life online because you get all kinds of 
scammy crap come at you. Anyways, I showed it to my wife, and I was like, look, uh, just go directly to Ticketmaster. Don't click the link in the text and log in with this information and see what happens. And apparently, it worked. My wife was able to snag floor tickets to the Taylor Swift concert in Kansas City. So not only are they going to Denver, but now they're going to go to Kansas City, and they got floor tickets for face value at like 350 bucks a piece. Those tickets are going for $12,000 a piece online. I, dude, I am telling you, I have been begging and pleading with my wife and daughter to sell them because daddy needs a new pair of shoes and a new <laughs> shop. But <laughs> it's not... I need a new pair of flip-flops and a... Another and a five yeah. by anyway. ten ATC. Do you have any idea how many chiladas that that buys? Oh, that would buy so many chiladas, you guys. Anyway, my week has just been standard, so I had to fluff it up a little bit with Taylor Swift and Kidney Stone content. Dude, <laughs> it sounds. I want It sounds like a very expensive venture, in both ways, like medical emergency. Oh, are expensive. I. Um, and then I am, like you won the lottery on some T-Swift tickets. Well, that's another thing. Like, we should sell those tickets because I'm going to have some medical bills to pay. Exactly. I can't believe you I saw mean, Taylor Swift and the Stones in one week. <laughs> you son of a... <laughs> it was rolling, too. It had to roll right out. Uh, I, think it, I think it dribbled. It was more of a dribbling stone. It doesn't gather moss. <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to hear what, what Suman's working on. Yeah, what's on your bench, I'm... bro? Um, so I, you know, lately I feel like my time in the shop has been very, very challenging to get a hold of. Um, and so I started this project that should have been like a one hour thing, but it's still sitting on my bench as I'm looking at it. So I've got a whole bunch of chisels that I want to be able to like make a holder for and mount somewhere behind me right mm-hmm. there. And uh, so they're sitting on my bench at some point. I'm going to make a holder for them and, and mount those little suckers. So that's pretty much it. That's it. No other projects. Any any videos you're working on? Um, so I'm actually working on the script right now. Uh, so I'm working on a video about sawdust. Uh, well, not sawdust. I like. Uh, I already saw John's video. I don't need yours. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough. That's that's a dust collection video, but uh, <laughs> featuring sawdust. Featuring sawdust. Yeah. <laughs> KJ was not invited. Oh. Um, but. So I so I'm making a video on and I'm kind of apprehensive about it. I I think uh, as somebody who's in the healthcare medical profession, um, I don't really like to, my job to intersect with my content. But in this case, I think I really want to do it. So basically, uh, human health, uh, you know, everything you need to know about human health when it comes to being a woodworker. And so it'll cover topics like uh, sawdust exposure, what that means for you. Because I think too many people think sawdust can give you cancer. Truthfully, there's like very little chance of that happening. Um, Only from my research, and I need to do more research, but only nasal cancer, I think, um, chances of that goes up by 2.8 times or so uh, for woodworkers, occupational woodworkers, not like hobbyist woodworkers. Yeah. Can I get toe cancer for from wearing flip flops in the shop? I don't you keep so. dropping things on it. <laughs> okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, but uh, so I, that's going to be one of the topics I want to con- cover is sawdust and exposure, but also uh, good finishes and bad finishes. 
So you've got some finishes that are just absolutely horrendous to the human body, and you, you should take no chances with them. And you've got some finishes that are supposedly oh, no. decent finishes that's healthy for you, you know, in the grand scheme of things. And I'm going to try to pr- show some data as to what that really means and uh, if you should be mindful of those finishes or not. Right on. That's going to be awesome. Am I am I going to dislike when you talk about some of the finishes? Oh, that one's not included. Uh, it's going to be... Oh, very good. Okay. <laughs> I can watch it. Good, good, good. Rubio, uh, Rubio Monocode is going to be probably the star of that particular segment. Okay. Nice. All right. But cool. uh, yeah, there, there's like ways you can test these things. It's so, it's so funny. Like when you dig deeper and deeper into like these so-called green zero VOC finishes and you look at their certification and all of that and you actually open those certification criteria and the testing criteria that they use and they have a threshold and it's never zero. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of fun to uh, dive into that. And, and look, I'm not trying to be scandalous in any way, but just really present the information for what it is. Um, because when it comes to volatile organic compounds, by and large, a good chunk of them, there's like 5,000 plus different volatile organic compounds. Not, And they have like varying degrees of how bad they are for you. Um, but generally speaking, you should take no chances with volatile organic compounds because they're kind of synonymous with something called reactive oxygen species, which is kind of a precursor to what has the potential to cause cancer. So all of that jargon to say, uh, zero VOC finishes, that should sound like an oxymoron to you because something has to evaporate for that finish to be a finish hard- that hardens in some capacity. Um, and what evaporates needs to properly be evaluated for, is it actually volatile and can it do you harm or not? Um, Interesting. So wireless people... dust collection is also awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so it's, and I think um, people tend to take uh, take those zero VOC labels or it's a green finish or it's they obviously come in green labels because they want to impress the color green to you as much as possible. And and I, green is safe. Green is safe. Green is healthy. Green, uh, green is delicious. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to kind of bring that topic to the light just because I think. Interesting. I'm looking forward to that video. It's, it's, it's one of those things like I'm not happy to have that conversation in the sense that it's way too close to what I do for my work. Um, but because I don't want to become off as an, oh, well, I I have so-and-so degrees in this, blah, blah, blah. Therefore, you should listen to me. It, I, that's such a weird. <laughs> you should you should just do your talking head with you sitting behind or sitting in front of All the degrees. your degrees hanging on the wall. And you can cite, you anyway. can cite yourself on heart research, too. Yeah, right. Because you're published <laughs> weekly. Apparently. Wrong <laughs> That dude, that dude is crushing it. I mean, like, he's still publishing. He's a I content creator. <laughs> he's making heart content. Yeah. Um, so I, it's it's a topic that I don't really feel comfortable talking about in in that regard, being completely transparent, um, because like my day job is in respiratory diseases, and then <clears throat> I develop drugs for respiratory illnesses of different types, and so I'm still going to talk about it. I think it's worthwhile, and I think I think you should because this could, this has the important. potential of being uh, a very buzzworthy video, something along the lines of like bourbon moths fire in a. Uh, it's not that one. it's not that sexy right like um when you I have, mean, i've seen you man you do okay 
10 seconds. <laughs> so, I mean, with, with uh, Bourbon Mutt's video, there's something very tangible, right, that you can see and go, oh, wow, like, that's crazy. And and the thing is, with finishes, you, you don't see them. And that's kind of the point. You don't see them, but they're deadly to you. You right? want a sexy intro? Here's what you do. <laughs> Put some sawdust in your mouth. Or, like, flour if you want to, like, not actually. Or, or oatmeal. There you go. Oatmeal looks like sawdust. Oatmeal. Put oatmeal in your <laughs> mouth. Very good. And just, like... <laughs> Just like cough it out and be like, let's talk sawdust. And then, you, and then the intro, you you know, sexy intro, whatever. Or I just take a, a, a two-part Ruby Amanda coat, mix it, and just like take a shot of it and say, it's it's healthy, right? It's, it's green. Just like healthy. a cup of tea, like dump like a Rubio thing and it's into a teacup. And... <laughs> to be fair, I'm pretty sure the people over at Rubio would even tell you not to do <laughs> yeah. that. It says on the can, not for consumption. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, but I don't want to get AWP in trouble here for people taking shots of Rubio. I, I'm not. Well, they said you can do it. I'm not. No, don't do it. Don't do it. No, I'm not doing that at all. But no, I he do have the like expressed this... opinions of Suman and not of Dan and Pete. <laughs> I do have um, uh, a, you know, like these mannequin heads that you can just apparently can just buy off of Amazon. They're meant really? for like props for like hats and stuff like that. Yeah, I think uh, the, like the, when you store. try to buy it, it pairs it with like a. a a one and a half inch uh, four center bit, too. <laughs> Mine came with a quarter inch, but okay. I do not want to be here anymore. <laughs> so, in any case, I bought one of these mannequins, and it's in my shop, and sometimes I'll do a story, and it's just randomly there, and people are creeped out by it. And so the reason why I have it is because I want to simulate uh, a, an artificial human lung, so to speak. <clears throat> and so instead of saying, like, oh, I applied this finish, and here's what this environment tests out to be for VOCs, I actually want to, like, um, put a mask on the mannequin and, like, try to filter the air through it into its lung, so to speak. And then measure the VOCs there on good filtration, you know, setups versus a bad filtration setup. Like, uh, because some people have their technique of covering from a finish is this. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I'm being attacked right now. (laughs) And I would like to uh, demonstrate how effective that is. Dan thinks just because the garage door is open, he's fine. (laughs) I got fans on too. Right. Jeez. Blows all the bad stuff out. Yep. Well, that's that's going to be a great video. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> Anyways, we're, we're talking about this. As 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 Suman's talking, I had to turn off my mic and Coffee. cough. I wonder what <laughs> that's why. from. Yeah. <laughs> I've been smoking since I was nine. Go. Sorry. But yeah, so that's my way of trying to sexify that video is by having... Sexify. Is by having mannequin. that mannequin with a simulated human lung. Even though the data from that is practically useless because it's not like good, clean data. But, but it will demonstrate a point. Look, if I learned anything by watching Mythbusters, you need to have a pig lung <laughs> with a a silicone yep. that would, mannequin that thing. That would be amazing. I wish. Somebody, <laughs> PETA is going to come for my ass if I did that. <laughs> but then at the end, you have to like blow up the head. Like, this is what, this is your brain. This is your brain on VOCs. And <laughs> just explodes at the end. <laughs> There you go. If you use any of these ideas, we get 10% of the viewer <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. monetization. You want it sexy, you came to the right place. <laughs> uh, Petey, what is on your bench? Um, My bench, it's actually been a pretty busy week. Uh, 
almost none of it woodworking related, I don't think, but, uh, what? That's weird. Neither well, was mine. Well, but part of it was. <laughs> so the van is back from its maiden voyage with all the new cabinetry in there. Uh, Carmine's nice. van that we're building. Randy out. Bovandy. Randy Bovandy. Yep. Is the name of the van. I love that name. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I've never forgot yeah, that name. Randy I forget Bovandy, a lot of things. So, uh, I put in a bunch of cabinets in there, built it all out, kind of put uh, temporary tops on there, but everything was super good. There was no squeaking, rattling, nothing while they were driving around. And, nice. um, we're going to soon, we're going to start working on all the rest of the cabinetry, the doors and start plumbing stuff out for some of the water lines, some more of the electrical and then start, uh, on the cabinetry overhead. Uh, and the big project is going to be, I'm designing a, so he's got a futon, uh, mattress in there. It's a standard queen. It's like less than a queen size. Well, it's roughly a queen size mattress, but it's very bendy. You know, you can like a futon. according to white men can't jump. Wesley Snipes futons are better for your back. Yes, great reference to a good movie. Um, <laughs> I watched that like a couple oh, nights ago. When he said that. I was like, oh, futons, futons are better yeah. for your back. So okay. the idea, right now, what what Carmine is doing is because we're he's sleep, <laughs> sleeping the length of the the. Uh, the van because he can't have it sideways because just too tall he would be hitting his head or he has to sleep diagonal so lengthwise so we have to like pull out the platform but then when he drives or if they're trying to use the table or in the seating area you have to push that platform back push the mattress back and he's like get back there and like lift the, the back of it so that it will like fold up like a couch almost mm -hmm. so what i want to do is essentially design a futon bed thing where like you'll actually push it and it'll kind of like latch while going up automatically. So we'll turn it into a couch in a gotcha. way. Wow. And then you'll kind of like unlatch it and slide it out. And then you're ba back in bed mode. I feel like you could probably use Unistrout for that, right? What's that? For the sliding for the Unistrout with the, with the carriage on it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, that's something I, uh, something I considered. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. But a part of me wanted to like almost mimic because we have uh, a Maxis futon. Uh, in a basement and I kind of wanted to mimic the slots because the slots are, it's just metal hardware riding in wood. Yeah. And I kind of want to mimic that and see how, if I can get it to work in a way that can like engage and disengage easily enough for them to do it. For sure. Yeah. And Max, Max, your brother-in-law, not my dog, yes, right? Yes. Your dog is not storing <laughs> okay. his futon in our basement. I didn't think so, no. but I'd want to. Dude, I'm want glad to you said. Sure. Your yeah, dog has confused. a second family. Okay. And <laughs> he may. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He's going on a business trip. <laughs> um, so aside from that, I, uh, I helped my neighbor dig a trench uh, for a French drain <laughs> um, because he got a new driveway and it was pulling up with all the water and stuff. So I was helping him out and I must have tweaked something in my shoulder. And then I kept helping him and I kept working on my own projects and making my shoulder worse and worse. So I, the last two days especially, I've been in pretty severe pain right at the joint. So I don't know if I have like a... I don't does, know what a torn rotator does, cuff is. You get a kidney stone like, in your shoulder? Yeah, a kidney stone in my shoulder. So does I've been Emma know? Emma does know. Emma know that you were helping your neighbor and you were laying down some pipes there? I was laying down pipe. Yes. With the oh. with Bill, the man. That's a, Bill the man. I believe it. <laughs> not, Dear that's listeners, a, not I believe one. that's a sexual innuendo. In your endo. Oh. <laughs> um so anyways, hurt my shoulder. So like I'm coming off this whole thing with my wisdom teeth getting pulled out and now i'm on medication like pain medication for my shoulder although the ibuprofen's not really doing enough so tomorrow i'm getting it checked out i'm getting a sling um tomorrow morning just to like help me carry it around but that's fun do you know how i know we're old pete why <laughs> because our what's on our bench now includes <laughs> our medical, medical problems 
And we should. <laughs> what the yeah, hell is going yeah, on? Find like a like a beep, 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 <laughs> like a medical. Thing. Oh my god, it is so true, man. It's it's um sitting around having coffee, talking yeah. about what's wrong with uh, you now. Press the kidney stone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, aside from that, uh, so uh, my buddy Joe that lives two doors down, uh, he helped me hook up the electrical, and we started running all the piping for the mini split. So that's going to be going on this, uh, going in this week. Very and nice. I cannot tell you how quickly I got shut down by HV, uh, HVAC guys when I would call up, be like, "Hey, can you come out and just vacuum out the lines? Because the, line, the unit is preloaded, but the lines yeah, you just need yeah, to get yeah. vacuumed out." Yeah. And they're like just can you just siphon it like a gallon of gas? Oh, I wish, man! But they they put the little you stopper can't do that? thing. No, not anymore. Man, it's not the eighties anymore, Dan. But <laughs> the, like, how quickly they shut it down? And we're like, well, we didn't install it. We can't do it. And then the one that I actually got an oak, not even a yes yet from. It's like a we'll let you know. They can't see well, me maybe. for like two weeks, and I finally was just like, <laughs> I just need to vacuum out these lines. How hard could it be? The pumps like buck thirty on Amazon with the full yep. kit, everything, all the fittings. I watched a bunch of videos on it and asked some people in the community. Dude, and it's like literally the easiest thing to just do. call call Scott Walsh. He knows how to do it, and he's he just that's right. He just did it for right. his. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think he's got the same unit. He's got a Pioneer Probably. thing too. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked to Michael Hurling because he just hooked yourself. up his, and yeah. um, he he had a neighbor do it. But he literally like what he told me is what I researched online, like word for word. I'm like, this is yeah. the, the Dude, easiest thing ever. With all due respect to like the people trying to make a living and all of that, like. They, you in know, HVAC, yeah, you know what that tells you? It tells you that they're gatekeepers. Like yeah. that's how they're doing. Like, it's, that's, you know? It it very much felt like that. They like <clears> the <throat> yeah. the two people, the two places I called. They didn't even like want to entertain it. And I was like, come on, it's just just vacuum out the lines. Come on. So you yeah. said the pump is like uh one thirty. One thirty with all the accessories, and honestly, I'd probably you be know, paying more. You know that if somebody actually came out to your shop and did that for you, it would be like over two hundred dollars. It would be over two hundred dollars. But they're not even over doing that though. That's the thing; they don't even want to do that. Like, <laughs> if they had like a service call, you know, whatever, like seventy five bucks for the service call, and then one hundred and fifty bucks an hour, whatever it is. Yeah, they're there for whatever period of time. Like, how hard is it to take that job and do that? they clearly don't want to because they're like, yeah. we don't want to help you, basically, is what it comes down to. If you're not buying the whole package from us that we fluff up with uh, high expenses, exactly. we which don't want to help Which you. I get it. You got to feed the family. Yeah. You know, you got to put dino yeah. nuggets on a table. But like, I get I, it. there's yeah. a place, <laughs> but like, you got to help the community out. And these are all local places I'm reaching out to. I'm not yeah. hitting up some big places. I'm just like, <sighs> try to give business to the guys in the neighborhood. But whatever. Aside from that. So I'm going to be doing that with my neighbor. I'm very excited to do it and hopefully not screw it up. But, um, the mini splits going in. Uh, I do unfortunately have the window unit that's facing the front of my house and the road. So I'm the trashy house on the block with the the window unit. You know, welcome to my <laughs> world. I am the trashy house on the block. I got empty pallets and all kinds yeah. of stuff out there. <laughs> so last thing on my bench is um, we kind of I was touching on it a little bit with uh, running your content or whatever as like a business basically, oh, and I. I have now, like, Emma has been basically full-time this whole week with Petrie's Workshop. And That's awesome. if the last four days are any indication of how things are going to go forward, it is the best decision we have ever made, and I should have asked her to do this a year ago. Uh, she is... First, the first week was a little scary because, of, like, I, I, we had to figure out processes and we had to figure out. I, I was basically teaching her everything at every step, and it was taking me twice as long to do the tasks. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of tasks, like even something like she's going through my entire backlog 
of content. She's grabbing the videos off my phone. She's grabbing a caption off of Instagram. And she, because I always prioritize Instagram for the post and then mm-hmm. try to do TikTok, Facebook, YouTube shorts, all the other stuff. And she's going through and she's cross posting them and she's scheduling them out. Like she's got me scheduled out on all the auxiliary platforms uh, like Facebook, uh, shorts, and That's uh, YouTube. And uh, TikTok, well, TikTok, you have to do drafts, but she's going through and she's posting two to three a day as a backlog. Wow. And I'm already seeing those accounts growing now and getting traction. And, you know, like you think like, yeah, we're freaking out like, oh, well, where's the money going to come from? Whatever. And I'm like, well, both my Facebook and my TikTok are, and this is going back to the content creation part, are just about to hit or uh, TikTok's almost at 10K. Uh, Facebook is creeping up there. It's at like six and change or seven K. As soon as those hit 10K, both of those are eligible for certain monetization. Now, granted, TikTok right Right. now is not paying out a lot, but there are certain it opens up the door for you if you do that. To some of these like things that they do a couple times a year where you can like really push a promotion or something. And with Facebook, I'm already getting ads on reels, but if I can get ads on full video, like that's more money coming in. And I'm not making, yep. I'm not raking in money on Facebook right now, but it's a couple hundred dollars every single month that just comes in. So it's nice. You know, it's like you, we can finally see the correlation <laughs> between like doing this and, um, and, and potentially making money. Um, one thing, oh, one thing I forgot to mention, like, because we're running this like a business, we're really trying to talk to people that are gonna, that are in this place already, <clears throat> or or they're at where we want to be in a couple of years, right. a couple of months. And we, um, uh, Brad from Fix This Build That, and Susan, his wife, were nice enough to hop on a call with us. We chatted for That's like amazing. almost oh, wow. two hours, and yeah, it was so nice. eye opening. Oh my god, Brad is the man. Like I've talked to him in the past, but just getting like a one. Brad knows thing, what he's doing, and just seeing how they work together, I was like, this is awesome you guys are like killing it this is exactly where we want to be and luckily me and emma like genuinely enjoy each other's company like we hang out all day and they're like we still want to hang out together it does help a lot but (laughs) we're between that and then like reaching out to brands sending emails like she's handling emails for me already like already just responding to things or she just like reads them to me as we're like getting ready for stuff and i was like i'll respond to this one or here's what i want to say to this she'll write little drafts she reads them to me and i say what to send out it has been incredible and it's getting me like really fired up because I'm running every other aspect now of what I'm doing like mm-hmm. a business yeah. for the first time ever. Cause this is not a full-time thing for me. This is, this is like I was saying earlier, I do woodworking and turning and whatever. And like, I also do content. Like that's how it's felt up until now, mm-hmm. even though I've been trying to make it a thing this week. It officially feels like <clears throat> I am a content creator and a maker like side by side uh, these are two separate yeah. things that i do one revolves around the other but it is two separate very distinct things and they need to be bringing in money separately mm-hmm. uh so it's been really really cool to see this thing already start like because i was panicking the last two weeks we were like well how are we gonna make money what are we gonna do and now already seeing just like the first like you know first little like uh sparks of this fire like ah, so stoked anyways Enough about that. Let's get into questions. I feel like hold on yeah. one thing. What's up? Um, you reminded me of something. Um, so we we were talking earlier about how mm-hmm. creating content isn't super easy and it's not very intuitive. You you kind of have to know what you're doing. There's a lot to learn. So Kayla wanted to come out into the shop with me yesterday for who knows what. I think she was bored, and I was like, okay. You can record something for me. I had to cut up a bunch of acrylic for mm-hmm. bow tie templates because I, I needed some and I ran out. Anyway, I give her my phone and me just 
not thinking. I just thought it was like pretty simple to record somebody. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I give her my phone. She records the whole process, you know, start to finish. It was like a three or four minute video. Um, I get the video and <laughs> it's just like, it's just my face. <laughs> I'm like, you didn't get any of the action of the thing I was doing? She's like, well, I thought people come to your, to see you. I'm like, nobody wants to see my face. They want to see when I'm. Does she not watch your content? <laughs> Clearly not. Anyway, I thought that was funny because when you started talking about how Emma was helping you, I was like, oh, that's, that's why I can't That's one of the things that me. she's going to be stepping in to do as well is actually record certain things because. That would be nice. One of my new, and it's, oh, sorry, that, now I'm going on a tangent. One of my new things that I've started noticing with certain videos that I've been enjoying and I've been trying to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. It's natural camera sway. Very natural, smooth camera sway. And some people do it in, I don't know, like I've seen you do it in your videos where you're just panning. Uh, Mm -hmm. long form shot you know so there's that like movement back and forth but this is like someone actually recording and i'm like Mm. i'm really enjoying content involving a cameraman and it's not it gives it that it gives it that reality tv feel yes but it's more than that it's also um instead so when you have a camera on a tripod and you're recording it feels very static right and you also feel like you're watching through a window as opposed to yeah. when you have um, when you have a live person recording and things are moving a little bit, there's two things you can do. One is you can interact with the camera person, and when you do that, it's like you're interacting with the viewer. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. And uh, at the same time, it gives it the perspective of being in the shop with you, and so people have a stronger, more closer relation to the presenter and the person uh, in the video because of it. And so that's always like a really, really good thing. And you'll notice if you watch Cam's video now over the last five or six of them, he's included Peter um, or Scott. His his, oh. his cameraman's name is Scott uh, many, many, many times. And he's doing it more and more and more and more of Scott integration into his videos. And it gives it so much more of that you're in the shop with him quality. It goes even further than that. Now, I think in some of his videos, he will, the intro, the first 30 seconds, every content creator that makes YouTube videos are hyper, hyper, hyper focused on those first 30 seconds. And I think I've seen him do one where he's literally talking to Scott in the beginning within that first 30 seconds. That If that's not prime time, I don't know what is. And that is definitely intentional. It is not a mistake. Yeah, I like I've been uh, I just watched uh, last night Simone Simone Gertz Simone Yetch is the pronunciation her videos um she's very much like she's a maker and she she has someone recording and it's legit just a conversation she's talking directly to them mm-hmm. it feels so personal like she's actually chatting with you and like having these emotions in the video of something breaking or whatever and like talking with you about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, this is so well done. And like the, the camera sway, like just makes it feel like you're there. <laughs> you're there. In, like yeah. in VR. That's something. what I loved about having Isaiah in the shop with me. Yeah. It, those videos we were making were fantastic. I wish I could find somebody else to do that. You will. You'll find but somebody. I wish that they would only take like $5 a day for payments. <laughs> that's the, that's the real, yeah, that's the hard crux part. of the, yeah. Dude. Right, well, yeah. Okay, we should get into questions because we got a, we got a yes. couple good ones here. We're already an hour in. We need to get into We're questions. Hour in, we got yeah. like a hundred of them. Now I'm going to switch it up, Dan, uh, for the intro for the um, 
voicemails, but don't worry, I, I put the audio in a folder. So you got it. Ready? Let's listen to some voicemails. Hot Pockets! <laughs> That's Dan saying <laughs> Hot Pockets. All right, so uh, let's start with, I think, yeah, let's start with, with Malcolm, since um, Suman's going to have a very long, drawn-out answer for this one. Hey, guys, it's Malcolm from Boston Over Woodworks, and this week my question is for Suman. <laughs> Suman, we talked about this a little bit online, but I missed your talk at WorkbenchCon over short-form video content, and I'm wondering if you could take a few minutes to just highlight some of the main points since it wasn't recorded. I appreciate you. Thank you. Suman? Uh, nothing I said at WorkbenchCon is relevant anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if you want an actual answer to that, go back and listen to the first hour of this podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the thing is, uh, these platforms change so often, particularly uh, platforms like Instagram. And uh, I haven't really, to, to be very frank, I haven't really spent the time to study and understand what seems to work best on Instagram right now. It's definitely slightly longer than it was before. Uh, it's definitely more on the comedic side uh, than before. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Um, and so the, the things that I talked about during workbench con, when it comes to short for my content and Instagram is no longer relevant, but I think YouTube is still relevant where, uh, you, people want to see more of the process. Uh, so even if you're doing a short that's 60 seconds long, they kind of seem to do better if they're on the longer side, closer towards that 60 seconds. And they do better when you show the steps a lot more. Uh, Instagram is instant gratification. Uh, they want to see the results. YouTube, I think we still have that, you know, historical background of people sitting down wanting to watch long form content. And so they seem to have a little bit more patience and they want to see the process a little bit more. So make them longer, show more process, more steps into uh, short formats on YouTube. Instagram, I don't know. And I'm going to add to that, Malcolm, because I, I was in that class um, watching Suman talk about everything. And there, my biggest takeaway with with it, it wasn't so much the different platforms, which is the stuff that he's saying is now irrelevant. It was the stuff that is forever relevant, which is the, the how do you catch someone's attention in under 10 seconds, under five seconds, yeah. under one second. Like, and, and the thing is, it's it's sexy shots, it's angle changes, it's movement it's, uh, you know, just good, clear video. Um, and like, you want to bring the person into whatever project, especially when he's doing all the tool stuff, tool demos or showing something, get, you know, mm -hmm. just something sharpened or whatever. You can really see the details of the beveled edge and all that stuff. So like that will never change. Like e think of each shot as a sexy thing. We all tend to set up the camera and just shoot a couple different angles, maybe, uh, I definitely think of more angles now because sometimes it'll just be like one angle and then we cut up that video. I'm trying to do two or three different angles mm -hmm. for that same video. Still not as good as what Suman does into his. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go through his feed. You'll you'll see what I'm talking about. A subtle little <clears throat> movement, a pan or something really makes a difference in catching your eye. Yeah, and understanding human psychology and trying to uh, tweak with it a little bit. Like, why does this capture a person's attention and how can you intentionally drive that in your content? Uh, I think it's always going to be relevant. Um, that's never going to change. Right on. So, Dan? Have large breasts and show a lot of cleavage. Boom. It works. You'll be famous. 60% of the time, every time. My boobies don't help. It, it always works. <laughs> well, you don't have big enough ones, Pete. I'm sorry. All right. Next question is from Joseph. 
Hey guys, my name is Yosef, long-time listener, first-time caller, a uh, big fan of the podcast and also a big fan of Suman. So I have a question for you guys. When you just started and you don't have a lot of followings, how do you make sure that your content is seen by people? Do you share it on Reddit? Do you have a Facebook group that you share to? Or do you just pray to the algorithm God that your content will go viral? Or maybe you just shamelessly plug yourself on a podcast. Follow me on YC Makes on YouTube and Instagram. Thank you. <laughs> so smooth. I love it. <laughs> the best. Yosef, all of the above, my dude. When you first start out and even when you are uh, past 10,000 followers or 100,000 followers, you never stop hyping yourself. It is a grind from start to finish. You are the marketing manager. You are everything. So never stop. I have to stop people on the street and you even say, hey, check out my Instagram. I need more followers, please. <laughs> you you and, drop your fire mixtape to a random stranger in the streets of New yes, York City. Yes, everything. So, um, Dan, I, respectfully, bud, I think I'm going to disagree with you completely on that. <gasps> what? <laughs> what do I know? My content has been good for a year and a half at least. We don't have this kind of controversy usually. You'll notice that uh, even when I publish a video on YouTube, I will never share it uh, directly on Instagram. And I have a reasonable size. But he's talking about when you first start. Yeah, yeah. You aren't just first starting. Fair enough. Fair enough. But um, there's, there's there's kind of like a string of thought into that. So... The thing is, YouTube algorithm, Instagram algorithm are incredibly good. That is their the heart of what they are, is how well those algorithms work at feeding the right kind of content to the right kind of an audience. And so if you focus on producing the best content that you can, trust me, it will find an audience. And so I would say work backwards. Um, you don't have to, because like, if, if with all due respect, like I don't want my friends to watch my content necessarily because they're not necessarily my audience. They're my friends. Um, if the type of content that I'm showing uh, to my friends, like they might like it that particular moment in time because they're trying to support me and they're good people, but that doesn't mean they're going to continue to watch my content. While uh, contrasted to that, if the algorithm organically finds the appropriate viewer for the type of content that I'm producing, and I'm reasonably consistent with my content, um, that person is going to be a loyal audience for a while. And so I try to let the algorithm do its thing, let the content speak for itself, and really just focus on making the best content possible. I love it. So are you saying, <laughs> we're not going to let this go. So are you saying that when you first started out, you didn't cross post, you didn't do any of that stuff? Oh, I did. You I just, did. But I'm not saying that I would do that again. Okay. But he's asking when you are first starting out, how do you promote your stuff? How do yeah. you get those initial first views? I, I think I posted um, uh, the first maybe three or four of my YouTube videos on Reddit woodworking. Um, but it honestly had a detrimental of, uh, effect. I think it dropped my average view duration. The click-through rate was a little higher. Uh, you can kind of tweeze out those data in YouTube and you can tell. Um, they're just not loyal. Those hoes ain't loyal. Like <laughs> people, <laughs> people coming from... No, in the long run, yeah, obviously yeah, you yeah. want 
loyal viewers. Yeah. But when you are first starting out, you need to get some sort of traction. No, like let let the algorithm... you're like in a mud hole. Your tires are spinning. You yeah. need a little traction to help. And I think having a little bit of viewership from somewhere is helpful. I yeah. I, I think that the trajectory of I how think you're both well, wrong, but okay. I think the trajectory of how well you you'll can have a chance do, to speak um, while the algorithm is just doing its thing can take you way further than word of mouth. So okay, what we need is somebody to start up a channel. Uh, and do what Sumana is saying, and then somebody else start up a channel and do what I'm yeah, saying, yeah. and we'll see who gets farther. Right, right, right. DDWW2 and Suman 2. <laughs> I'll just do double yeah. Ds. <laughs> All right, double, Pete, what do you got D's to add to this? Honestly, so the algorithm I, will find that. Oh, yeah, I will. I wonder why. I think you have to, when you're starting out, you have to try everything. And by try everything, I mean try different types of content. And try different platforms. So I say, you know, yeah, cross posts or whatever, but try different things. And you never know, you might be, your content might start blowing up on TikTok because TikTok favors whatever content you're doing. Maybe you're doing more Mm -hmm. talking head stuff. Maybe uh, you just do a lot of ASMR, which does really well on IG and uh, YouTube shorts. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like you, you got to just find, you got to find your community uh, not just of other content creators and other makers, but your community of your audience. You have to find your audience. And in the beginning, I think you don't need to necessarily niche down immediately. Cast a wide net and see what sticks. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm well, saying. You're wrong, as you're man. spinning your wheels, as you're spinning your wheels and you're stuck in that hole, when you see that your tires got traction, go after that. But, but mm-hmm. chase, Do that thing. But, chase the but until then... Until then, you need to try everything. You need to be promoting yourself. You need to be doing all those things. Until you get the traction, then you hyper focus on that thing. I do think you're you're both right. Like there's and listen, we we said this earlier in the the episode. That's what Yosef was asking when you first started. There is no right answer for you, Yosef. No, there's not. Like you could just decide that tomorrow you're like, you know what? I am just going to post on Facebook. There's no right answer, but I'm the rightest of these answers. uh, um, Let's go. You're (laughs) left-wing liberal. Get out of here. Um, (laughs) What? I don't know. I'm just insulting you. But no, like, Yosef, tomorrow you can start posting on Facebook only. And in six months, you could be making, you know, 5K a month or something like that on on, on ad revenue. Like, you never know what might work. And you might never be on another platform. I used to make a lot of money on Facebook. So I remember those days. It was fun. There's growth that can happen anywhere, even Twitter. The, and one of the things I think both of you guys pointed out that is worth keeping in mind is to try things. Because mm-hmm. even because there's a lot you learn even from the things that don't work, right? So it's okay to try things out as opposed to being fearful of, oh, that might not work. Oh, it might not get views. Because if you don't post something, it will absolutely not work and it will absolutely not get views. Best time to experiment is you when you're You miss little. 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky Michael Scott. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of Michael Scott, Kimani. Hey, guys. Hope you're doing well. Um, I've been catching up on the podcast during my commute. So, uh, Pete, if you are still looking for an accountability buddy, uh, I will be your accountability buddy because I have some content and stuff I need to get done Gave as up well. Windows so, uh, as your potential accountability buddy, um, how are those uh, battery holder designs going? Shut your face. And when's that video coming out? <laughs> And uh, Dan, um, 
you know, not trying to tell you how you run your life, but, uh, buddy, if you go ahead and sell those, uh, Taylor Swift tickets, you probably just pay off your mortgage. Just going to throw it out there. Um, <laughs> I know, man. You know, I know. Probably buy a new trail boss. I'm just saying those things are hot tickets. You're daughter will I forgive you a bit. think about it all the time um and sumon um i didn't get a chance to see your presentation at WorkbenchCon, uh but i heard a lot of good things um so my question for you is um with the way you produce content and the way instagram is always changing their algorithm and how they show people stuff have you seen a noticeable change or drop off in your viewership uh with your reels and your content and if so um what changes have you made to um either counteract that or you just you know keep doing what you're doing and you know it ebbs and flows so yeah just uh seeing how you're how you adapt to the ever changing instagram thanks Bye. The sexy question, Kamani. Suman. So so yeah, let's talk about Instagram and, and changes. One of the things that I absolutely despise about Instagram is the fact that they change things up so much and so frequently mm. that it's it's annoying to it's be. It's almost honest. weekly, yeah. Feels it's, like. it's annoying. Um and so yes, I feel like Instagram is such a different landscape right now. Um at least for the US market that I can see. Uh, views have kind of gone down across the board uh, for the most part. There's definitely folks who are continuing to see success, but I think most of uh, of the creators, at least in our space that I've seen, views have pretty much, uh, I think, gone maybe, I don't know, I'd say maybe like one-fifth to one-eighth of what it was before. Um, I can personally say like my stories used to reach, I think, six to 8,000 people, um, and right now it's probably 2,000 tops. Um so it, it it has had quite a bit of an impact and I don't know what the reasoning for that was or because it, it's clearly a switch, right? It's not like my content suddenly changed uh, or the way I produce content suddenly changed to a, a big extent. It's the criterias and the goalposts have changed. And so... It's okay. I think it's fair for Instagram to make those changes. But alongside those changes, they've also taken the paid model away where they no longer compensate the creators, right? And now you kind of have to pay for play, so to speak, which I'm not seeing any benefits of the play part. Same. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to think of, okay, let's tally up the Instagram as a platform here. They don't pay you for content that they use to make money through ad revenue. You pay them, there's virtually no benefit to. Um and Oh, but you get you get help if you need help. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and now uh views are kind of like they just like turn down the volume on views. Okay. So what is left for creators? Because it's definitely not a platform for creators anymore. And I can tell you, for me, I use Instagram as a way to keep connected to the, the community of folks that are there. And that's about it. Um, as far as like my creative energy and what I see as a platform of choice for me, it's no longer on Instagram. As soon as they move the pay model, I'm like, I don't give a shit about Instagram anymore. Because it just goes to show like where their positions are about how they see their relationship with mm -hmm. creators, the people that actually make them the money, 
and the people that the people that actually produces content that keeps the people uh, you know watching on their platform and they basically said fuck you <laughs> we don't give a shit and so i don't care about instagram in that regard and i think uh, that's part of the reason why my content output on instagram has pretty much plummeted and because i'm not keeping up with it because i don't care to keep up with it i will continue to keep in touch with the people that's in instagram but my focus is on YouTube because YouTube has always been the gold standard for, I think, uh, a, a model that's fair to content creators and it's predictable. They give you so much predictability. Yeah, they give you so much data to work with that if you are astute enough, you can put those data together into some actionable uh, items for you to improve your next piece of content. And uh, generally speaking, you don't get surprises on on YouTube. Like, for the most part, you know what works and what doesn't work, and you can kind of pinpoint to why that is the case. There's always going to be the oddities and rarities. So, uh, Instagram, uh, so YouTube pays well, has been around a lot longer, lots of support. Oh, by the way, they also protect your copyright information way more, way better than Instagram. Instagram doesn't give a shit if your content is copied by somebody else and stolen by somebody else. They just want the piece of content floating around. That's all they care about. And I know they have like a digital rights management uh, thing that you can use. But honestly, they make it so, so hard for... It's so difficult. Yeah, to, it's to crazy. fight other people that stole your content. like So you have like, maybe you post 50 pieces of content in a given month. Other people can steal the two or five pieces of your content that work the best, and they just run with it in a channel that you can't chase down ever. And they make it impossible to do when it should be one of the easiest things to fight. If you were the first person to post it, there is data out there. You can analyze which video is mirroring each other. Yeah. Um, and if you're the first person to post it, it should flag to you. Hey, this is a piece of content that was posted, <clears throat> appears to be yours. Do you want to refute it? Yeah, they don't do a Why? good job of that. They don't give a shit. They don't shit. do a job of it at they don't all. Do, they don't do a job. <laughs> they do not give a flying fuck about you as a content creator. That's what it comes down to. And I know it's very strong words, but genuinely, like, not a single action that they've taken just the shows that. Yeah. But YouTube does care. They will absolutely reprimand if you steal other people's content and put it, post it for verbatim, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they will flag other people's content to you if it's copied. Um, so they... It's just a better platform for creators, and I think they have a model that is fair. Mm -hmm. um, it's so that's where my energy is going to be focused, and that's where I'm going to be focused. Um, you, Instagram is whatever. Right on. Can I go next? Yeah, dude. Ditto. Trito. <laughs> uh, this next one. So <laughs> this next one, you, we pretty much and Yusuman answered, but we have to play it because it's from Toma, so you know. Oh yeah. Wait, that's not... No, I'm sorry. I lied. I'm a liar. Ah, uh, okay. Peter. Mama, just killed in French. <laughs> hey, guys. Sorry, Suman. I have to start with a rant on the video you made on with Kat Moses on sharpening. How you guys spend a bunch of money and time to do such a test without even sharing or making one single graph? As a former neuroscience researcher, it makes me really, really sad. All right, next. How do you choose the subject of the or the type of the content you make? The last project you share on YouTube was like a year ago, and since uh, then it's been mostly review or test. 
Did you shift your content because it attracted more viewers? All right. Bye, guys. Yeah, so quickly. Suman, did you get all that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Did you get it? (laughs) I'm going to work it a little bit backwards. Um, So first of all, I I think... uh, I am being more selective with what type of content I want to produce. And for the longest time, I I didn't have a good elevator speech for what kind of content uh, that I'm going to produce on YouTube as a woodworker. And uh, so I thought, okay, I'll try... I'll try to do some build videos. And at the time, build videos weren't really working. And I'm like, do I have anything to add to build videos that other people aren't doing already? And I'm like, okay, I can be the jigs and fixture guy. I mean, uh, you know, um, uh, Izzy Swan is, you know, kind of like he was easing down a little bit in content. And I was talking to him like, yo, Izzy, I kind of want to make, you know, jigs and fixtures. Like, dude, Jigonometry, that shit works. And I'm like, you're right. Okay, so I'm going to do that. So I kind of tried that a little bit. But honestly, like, as much as I enjoy problem solving and making jigs and all of that, I... It was hard for me to like continue to just be passionate about that. Um, And so then I realized, uh, as much as I avoided it, I think mentally, I am a scientist. I like testing things. Is there a way I can bring, you know, uh, and and woodworking nowadays, there's so much talking head videos that do well. And talking head videos are great, but there's a lot of opinions in talking head videos. I feel this. I think this. This could be better. No, I think you should buy this more. And I'm like, can I just cut through that bullshit and put some numbers that we can kind of compare? Um, And can I find a way to test some things that add value to the conversation that is not based on opinions. There's wisdom and experience in woodworking and recommendations of certain things and all that. There's definitely, it's definitely there, but can I give you something objective and tangible? And so I thought, okay, I'm a scientist who likes testing things. I happen to be a woodworker and I'm going to make testing videos. And if people think, Hey, he's the woodworking testing guy. Cool. I'm I'm good with that. (laughs) So that's awesome. Right on. Good answer. That's the one we wanted. <laughs> All right. I, I don't know if I wanted that one. I wanted the other one, but that one will work. All right. Last one. Last but not least, uh, we got Scotty Holland. We do have a written in from Doug Schaefer, but we're going to save that for next week uh, just because uh, we got really into the content stuff. I love it. This is like one of my favorite topics so far. Into the content weeds, if you yeah, will. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> next is Scotty Holland. Elevator would go. Hey guys, it's Scott from Elevate with Design. Anyway, I have a question for Dan. I saw mm-hmm. on a kid's show I was watching with my son this morning that someone used Best Foods mayonnaise for sunscreen. I was just curious if you've ever done that. And also, when you get inspiration from other makers, like with bottle openers or cutting board, you know, just whatever, like little trinkets and stuff. How do you go about asking for permission to not copy them exactly, but use their inspiration, or is that necessary? Like, where's the line? I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but I hit my head a lot as a kid. Anyway, thank you. Uh, that sounds to me like a very good waste of mayo, Scott. Uh, 
That's kind of, I don't think I, I like it would amplify. Y'all know, y'all know my love for mayo, but I've never done that. That's kind of weird. Um, as for the, as for the question, you know, I think we have talked about this a few times on the podcast and it does make sense that you may have hit your head as a kid. Um, I think there is, there is kind of like a gray area line. I mean, when you're talking about bottle openers, I mean, we've all made bottle openers. There's nothing proprietary about bottle openers. You don't, who, who are you going to ask permission for on bottle openers? We, Pete and I make the same bottle openers. I'm sure Suman has probably made a bottle opener or two. Like, just Coward. go with the flow, Suman. Come on, you're killing me. <laughs> but, and, you know, as far as cutting boards, I mean, obviously we've all made cutting boards. Suman has made a cutting board. It cost him $20,000. <laughs> um, I think the, the thing, like, you need to, to maybe give a little uh, credit to when you're making, say, a cutting board, is it the design, if the design is a complete ripoff of somebody else's. Say, for instance, uh, I don't know if you guys follow Felt House. Felt House, yeah. Uh, he does those really intricate, mm-hmm. uh, I think he calls them those helical weave designs. Mm-hmm. Those are amazing. But those are his. He's the only. He's the one who came up with that design, as far as I know. So if you're going to do that design, maybe you give him a little credit for the, that design. But as far as like making a, a rando cutting board with just strips of wood, you, who are you going to credit? Uh, so yeah, I think I think it's a really fine line. It's I don't know. What do you think, Simon? I've so uh, many of you guys might be familiar with George Nakashima as a woodworker. He's of course. Um, a Japanese style. Pete's got stories. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, he he died in like nineteen something. <laughs> but uh, so uh, George Nakashima is a tremendous inspiration to me as a woodworker because um, nothing about it's very much Japanese aesthetics. Nothing about his design and his uh, furniture is extra. Everything has a function, and it is at the simplest form possible. And there's something so beautiful about that. And uh, so he has this style of like a trestle style dining table and stuff. And I made that for for myself and I really liked it. And there was a person who was really interested in that design of a table. I'm practically ripping off George Nakashima in that style. Like granted. You were heavily inspired, (laughs) Suman. He's turning over in his grave. Right. Uh, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, like the angles of the cuts and there's a lot of things that every single thing about it, I uh, measured and made for my own self. But the overall look, you can look at the two and be like, yeah, that's a George Nakashima table. But so that's a pretty solid ripoff. Right. And I made money off of that product sale. Um, But did you need to ask permission to make that? No, because nothing about that is an actual copy of Nakashima style. It doesn't say, oh, his legs are 3.25 inches wide and the mortise and tenons are this this size. No, I, I have no idea what that information is even about. And um, I actually am friends with one of his two apprentices that he had at the time. And uh, like he was willing to send me like the actual templates and the designs. And I'm like, no, I, I'm just going to make this on my own just heavily copied the look of it, you know, because he had the actual templates that George used. Um, but yeah, it's fine. It's you can, you can copy, be inspired by, and more often than not, if they're Chinese only made products, just rip them off because they deserve it. Oh, man. <laughs> Damn. 
Pete, what say you? Um, nothing is original. Everything's been made already. Um, almost every idea out there is a copy of a copy. Uh, and whether, you know, even this Feldhaus pattern, he saw that pattern on probably some Scottish blanket and was like, Dos, great, let's do that. You know, and like, and he just wanted to make it out of wood. <laughs> But like the thing is, that, that was too good. That, <laughs> I didn't want to let the moment pass by without acknowledging how good that was. Appreciate that. The Irish accent that was shockingly good. Um, like the thing is, almost everything's been made, and I am saying this from being in a position of having been "quote unquote" ripped off, and also have having made items that. And have been accused of ripping someone off. So, like, <laughs> yes. So, it, I mean, one that comes to mind, like, immediately, as soon as, like, Scotty was talking about this, is uh, I think it's Designs by Donnie. Um, kills it, kills it in the acrylic template game. Um, I have made my own versions of stuff that he has or similar to it for people before that have hit me up or for myself. But, like, I like refuse to sell them because I feel like that's his thing. But then knowing full well that he's just the loudest one. He's the biggest one doing that thing that 50 other guys are doing with lasers and CNCs. Some are cutting them by hand, whatever, you know, like it's like the, when Dan got uh, almost sued by a company because he makes a tie in the shape of a bow uh, and templates to cut it out. Not actually. They, how would I put this? They it, don't, uh, it doesn't matter. We don't need to make heavily insinuated that they would get lawyers involved. The thing is, like every idea out there, I feel like with furniture you can get away with stuff a little more. But when it's like CNC laser three D printed type stuff, um, which is one of the reasons why I don't sell any items except one that I have permission for in my Etsy shop that I did not design. I designed everything else from scratch. I would find something like, this is cool. I'm not going to sell this one because I don't have the permission. I'm going to make my own because there's no proprietary thing that prevents me from making that thing. But like, it was almost to prove a point. I was like, I will make my own so no one can accuse me of that again. But knowing full Mm -hmm. well again that I could could just do it. I could just be the a-hole and do it. So, you know, it's a gray area, but like any of this stuff, like I go and look up if I'm doing a vendor event, I'll look up vendor event, literally woodworking vendor event on Instagram. Like, oh, those are cool. I'm going to make them for my vendor event. I don't care. People are going to buy them, you know? Right. Anyways, end of rant. You're making them. Yeah. End of rant. That reminds me of a situation that I ran into not that long ago. Um, when I made that uh, collapsible, quote unquote, Adirondack chair, it's not an Adirondack chair. The one you stole from April? Chair or whatever. I bought plans from April. I bought the plans from April. But she doesn't provide CNC digital files. So I actually bought the plans, printed them one-to-one, taped them all together, and then took measurements off the off the paper to make a CNC file. And then I had a bunch of people asking me, hey, are you going to sell that CNC file? And I kind of waffled on it. I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. I To this day, I still go back and forth because, mm-hmm. like, it's her it's her product but you you look at that chair and that chair has been made for decades decades i mean it's in an old episode not an episode it's in an old magazine of fine woodworking from the like the early 90s i I saw it in there so it's not really her design but you know out of respect out of respect from somebody else in the community and i don't want to start a beef with april (laughs) i feel like i'd get 
crushed. Um, I'm not going to release, I don't think I'm going to release the CNC files. So Sometimes he just, a lot of times it holds us back out of respect for the person more than anything. Like, I respect Donnie. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want to tread on his toes, but I'm going to eventually start selling more acrylic templates and some of our stuff is going to overlap, but I'm kind of holding off on it, you know? So, so, so long go. did you go? I don't know if you had a... Oh, I don't sell this. products, so it's pretty easy. Coward! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want uh, like, Sumon foam fingers and Sumon hats. They have to be purple. So, now, to be fair, I don't sell products right now. I do have uh, at least one product in the manufacturing stages. So we'll see what that looks like uh, when it actually comes out. I, I still haven't... I'm suing. <laughs> I still haven't gotten... Um, the first test uh, piece of it yet, so but I'm hoping that it'll come out. I just strop leather. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any more questions? Uh, Is so that it? we have one more written in from Doug, but I think we're gonna save it for next week. Um, let's save it. Yeah, for next save week. it for next week. Doug, thank you for writing in. We will read it. Um, but I let's let's call the show. This is great. I'm sorry, I'm trying to like cut it short, but it's not short. We're like hour 48. It's not this short. is an amazing episode. Suman, thank you so much for joining us. This was great. Uh, the information was it was fine. mediocre, but thanks for being on. It was it was fine. I'm really just like, trying to upsell I, it to the people. I live <laughs> in mediocre spaces, so I'm so glad to be here with you guys, <laughs> being mediocre alongside you. It was uh, uh it was upper mediocre. Just okay, three grown mm. semi bearded men in Dan's case trying their best. <laughs> Come on! But thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you to all of our patrons, all of our amazing VIP patrons. Uh, you guys are great. You're going to get this episode on la- latest Saturday. And you get the pre-show this weekend, too. We're, we're staying on top of that. Uh, and uh, what else, Dan? Dan, you got something to add? Be sure to share the show. Share the show. Keep sharing the show. That's what, if, if you don't want to support us on Patreon, we understand. But if you could share the, share show, the show with all your friends and family, Grandma, all your social everyone. media platforms... That would be a tremendous. Also, from what we understand, leaving a good review, five-star review, would help us also. So wherever you can leave a review, Apple, Spot. Can you leave reviews on Spotify and Google? I don't know. Test it out. Let us know if it works. You can follow Sumon at Woodcraft. Oh, yeah. You should totally do that. On YouTube, Instagram. Anywhere else? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it? I am okay. on Facebook, but I don't count it. Um, but at, and I don't know how you close this thing out, but I would say the last piece of advice is don't use mayo as sunscreen. No, that's pretty good. That's pretty solid advice. That's I would great. say this is this is a clip right here. People need to see. People need to know <laughs> this. This is information that's important. It not only is it a waste of mayo, but I think the I think it's made with eggs, and they'll start smelling. Eggs. Just don't do it. They are yeah. made with eggs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next week with Scotty Scotty. Walsh. Love you long time. Love you all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Go. No, 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 no. Go. Billy Boy, this is Ghana. You, my friend, are shooting for the Sudans.